So uh, what we're talking about today is a really fun and amazing topic. Are you ready? Pride and humility. Woo! We are going to be shouting the house down today. Who's excited? I'm excited. And uh, this topic of pride will never, ever be irrelevant. Okay, but it's not just pride. I'm talking about humility, too. Okay, but, you know, I always like these kind of sermons because we have possibly heard them before. But there's always room to have a little tune-up. Amen? You're like, I don't know about you, but I have had some pride in my life. I still deal with pride. And I always want to be aware of it because I don't like the other side of my pride mess-ups. Can I get a witness? You know, so I kind of like these words because I'm like, oh, yes. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. You know, like, (laughs) that was a good tune-up, you know. And every single calling in this room and on the face of the earth will have to deal with pride and humility. Amen? Okay, we want to, you know, and this is not me talking about... um, like being proud of the work you do. You know, like I'm not talking about that kind of pride. You know, like we should be proud of the hard work we do and the reward that we get. You know, the Bible's very clear that saying that the righteous should be as bold as a lion. Hear what I'm saying? Okay, because sometimes it can be misconstrued like, oh, well, you know, if, if you're talking about like yourself and pride, that means like I can't be like proud of anything. I'm not talking about that side of things, okay? I'm talking about the glorifying of yourself and your life above God. Are you with me? Okay, so uh, let's go ahead, and I'm going to read to you, actually, I'm going to have a lot of scripture today and a lot of teaching, so just, you don't have to read everything, you might just want to jot it down and go back and read it later, because you will need these scriptures in your life. Amen? Amen. James 4, 6 says, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Okay, I, uh, that scripture always freaked me out a little bit, not going to lie, because I'm like, oh my gosh, what if I have pride, and like, oh, God's resisting me, but then it, it kept me in check, <laughs> it kept me in check a little bit, I was like, well, I want to make sure there's no pride, so that he, like, has to resist me, because it's that, it's like a yucky aroma to his nostrils, you know, so sometimes it can, these kind of scriptures can feel scary, because you feel like, oh no, I'm going to be rejected by God, but actually it's really there to protect you, so that there's no room for that feeling of rejection or anything like that in your life. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to read some more scripture. This is Proverbs 3.34. This is the Good News Translation. He who has, uh, he has no use for conceited people, but shows favor to those who are humble. Oh, he has no use for conceited people, but shows favor to those who are humble. Okay, that's not always an easy pill to swallow, but it's, again, good for us to know. Amen? I'm going to read you some more passages on pride. Proverbs 11.2, when pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 16.18, pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. 1 John 2.16, for everything in the world, the cravings of sinful man, the lust of his eyes, and the boasting of what he has and what he does, comes, does not come from the Father, but from the world. Okay, when you're boasting and when you, when you have pride in your life, you're really reflecting fallen man. You're not reflecting a loving father. Amen? Okay, Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you don't know what day may bring forth. Okay, James 4.16, as it is, you know, uh, as it is, you boast and brag, all such boasting is evil. 
Okay, we get the picture. God doesn't like boasting. He doesn't like pride. It, it causes him to have a resistance there. And I don't believe it's like an um, angry, I hate you resistance, but a grieving resistance where it's like, ugh, that grieves my heart. You know, sometimes we can see God as this like really angry, like, oh, you've got pride. God hates you now. I don't believe that thinking. I don't believe that he hates you, but I believe that your sin does separate. And when pride comes in, it causes a grieving in his heart, and he can't dwell with pride. Hello, Lucifer. Amen? Okay, and you know, the reason why I want to talk about this, and I was humming and hawing if I should preach on this, but I really felt like this is a timeless word that we need always, and I really believe that we are coming into a season of multiplication, and I really believe that uh, there's going to be a lot more souls coming into this body and this work, and it's good for us to keep that uh, humility strong. Keep, you know, not, not like, yeah, come into what God's doing here. Thank you very much. We are the best of all time. Yeah, like that's not going to keep God flowing here. But a heart of humility broken before the Lord saying, look what the Lord has done. Look at what he's done in our midst. You know, like sometimes too with like charismatic Holy Ghost movements and, or really any movement, it's like, oh, there's Holy Ghost here and it's not anywhere else, so we're better. That's not right. Okay, we got to be humbly saying, oh my gosh, thank you, God, that we even have the fire of his spirit burning here. Humbly, like in awe that he would allow us to have that kind of uh, freedom. Amen. So, you know, I really believe, too, that pride is very blinding. Okay, the Pharisees, they knew the books of the law more than anyone. And out of everyone, they should have been able to say, this is the son of God, because they knew the scriptures front, back, down, side to side. They should have been able to say, this is Jesus. This is the son of God. But out of everyone, they were the most blind. Not even the greatest sinner, like, was blinded to that. They were like, oh, this is the son of God. And, you know, sometimes in life when pride can sneak in and it causes you to, to be blind and you might have all this religion, but you're still blind to see Jesus when he walks in the room. Amen? And how much more this day and age when we don't have a physical Jesus to look at? So we need to be able to be equipped but also aware of our own selves that going, uh, carrying our crosses and going into the world and being who we're supposed to be, that we're not carrying any pride with all of that. Amen? So I really wanted to just go after pride and humility, but we'll get to that. I want to talk about characteristics of pride, how to recognize it in your life, because we read the scripture, and, and I'll just say this disclaimer too, I could go, I could spend days talking about pride, but I'm only scratching the surface uh, talking about it today, and this is what I felt like the Lord wanted to bring to the table for us. So are you ready to go there? Amen. I'm going to start talking about some characteristics of pride. Okay, because it's blinding, this is what I want you to do if you hear my voice. Say, Jesus, is this me? Not out of a, cond a condemning, self-hating, oh, you know, just like, Jesus, is this me? Because sometimes when we hear these kind of talks, it's like, oh, I know who that person is. Oh, my boss, my, my sister. Uh, you know, it's like, you are, you're like someone's talking and you're like, oh. Yes, I have experienced that on the other side of that pride. And God's like, okay, that's cool. But let's just not neglect why this is being spoken. And so that we can reflect in our hearts what's really going on. Okay, because we know that God doesn't look at the outer appearance. He looks right at that heart. And we don't want to be pointing out everyone else's hearts to God, neglecting our own. Amen? Okay, some characteristics of pride. 
Okay, it is seeks self first. Okay, Matthew 6.33 is very clear. We need to seek the kingdom of God first and all of his righteousness and everything else will be taken care of. Okay, we know that scripture, I seek you first. That's why I go to church on Sundays because I seek you first. But come Monday, I ain't got no time for that. Can I be real? I'm about to get so real today, using myself as an example, too, because we're, I'm flesh and blood, and I, the reason why I can say this stuff is because I've had to deal with it in my own life. Can I get a witness? Okay, and if you, wanna, if you believe that called you, God has called you into any form of leadership, this scalpel and the magnifying glass is going on your heart. And I believe that the Lord takes extra care and attention if you're going to be on a platform being amplified before people. So why don't we just let him go there, amen? Okay, we, we, the, the goal of our lives is to seek him first, put him first. But what pride does is it puts self first. Okay, it's, it's we seek first self, and then we think everything else will be added unto us, including Jesus. I'll just put myself first, and like somewhere God will be added to me. That's not how it works. It's put Jesus first, put what he wants first, put him in control first, and then things will work out. And I feel like sometimes, too, we're, uh, we get caught up in prayers like, God, why aren't things working out? Why, why, why am I struggling? Blah, 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 blah. And like some stuff is straight up demonic and you're going through stuff. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about the prayers that we're praying, God, help me. But he's like, you need to help yourself by putting me first. Does that make sense? Okay. Pride seeks self first. It is centered on self. Okay, it's like uh, the world revolves around self. It's, it, the person who struggles with pride, often if it's a really strong struggle, you'll be like, you're number one at all times wherever you go. You have to be on top. You're like, you, you, have, you glory in yourself and what you can do. It's really just, it's all about me. You know, have you heard that before? It's like, it's like, you come first, no kingdom of God first, it's, it's me first, and then so that I can think and focus, and then, oh yeah, okay, Jesus, here I am. Okay, this is another characteristic of pride, okay? Has to always be right. Doesn't like being seen as weak or not knowing something, okay? It's a know-it-all. It's a person who has to know everything all the time, has to have like, has to have the accurate response to every single question of humankind. You're a know-it-all. Okay? <laughs> Woo! Okay? Doesn't like direction. Okay, you want to be, uh, you want to come in and try and, like, be accountable, but then there's, like, parts of your life where you're like, oh, but don't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's like, oh, okay, if you're going to come into the kingdom... Most of the kingdom is about being a student and taught and a little sheep having a shepherd and being told where to go. But if you're struggling with pride in areas of your life, there can be, there can be parts of you that are like you're desiring to have that kind of leading and you want to be a little sheep. But it's like the second anything actually comes to lead you, you're like, oh, don't tell me what to do. Only Jesus can tell me what to do. And I'm like, Jesus has been trying, but he can't get through to your own head, so he has to go through someone else. Could be pride. It could be you protecting your, your image of not knowing everything. I'm going to get to that too. Okay, you can't be checked on. Okay, you can't be checked in on. If someone checks up on you, you like, I'm fine, all right? I'm good. I got this all going. And like, instead of like, 
receiving the care from someone, all of a sudden you're like, I'm great. Why would you even have to check up on me? Because I'm so good. It's like, whoa, okay. I'm trying to care for you. I was just seeing if you're all right. Like, you don't have to be so defensive. Whoa. Okay, the reason why I know this is because this was a big one for me. I was thinking I was all good, and then, like, someone, like, I'll use Andrew. Love you, honey. Okay, he'll check in on something, and I'll be like, I'm fine with that. Like, why do you have to ask me? The fact that you're even asking me means you don't think I do a good job. You know, like, cleaning out the fridge. Oh, Jesus. Shataraba. I was in deception for a while there with the fridge, okay? He'd be like, dude, what's this moldy, gross thing at the back of the fridge? Like, honey, you need to clean out the fridge. Like, that could be gross for all the other living food. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I was like, honey, I do clean out the fridge, okay? I did it yesterday when I did the shopping. And he was, can you see this attitude? This is what Jesus has had to work with, okay? And Andrew, bless his heart, okay? But there would be this reaction in me like, don't try and check up on my duties. Like, and it was like, it would be this pride. Like, I would have to be like, oh, so you don't think that I can do a good job. So you're like all snooping on my work. And it's like, it's like, whoa. And it literally would be over the fridge. And, and, and Andrew would be like, okay. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I clean out the fridge now. Okay, touch. Okay, but there was, there was something in me that like, if he would check on something that was my responsibility, my pride would rise up and I'd be like, it's great. Even though stuff was molding and dying back there. Okay, but it was, a, it was a pride in me that was like, didn't want to be seen as not doing my job. And if I, my job got checked up on and I kind of got found out that I wasn't doing it, it would be pride. Because then all of a sudden, really it was, I felt like a failure, so my pride came out. Okay? People who always have to be right or deal with pride, they refuse to learn new things without a fight or a religious debate. Okay, people dealing with pride, it's like, you, have, you know, and pride comes in all different forms. And there are times where I'm going to be generalizing here, but just follow where I'm going, okay? P sometimes people, who, if, they're, if they're dealing with pride, or a characteristic of pride is, it's like, you think you are always right and you know everything, that when something comes up that seems like a, a different idea or a different angle, it's like, you fight tooth and nail till, it's, until your mind is really changed. And oftentimes, you fight to the death and the person gets exhausted and then actually... They just drop the issue and don't try and show you that different side of that thing. Like, like different sides of maybe uh, the love of God or the freedom of the Holy Ghost. It's like sometimes we can get this religious pride where we think we're right about everything we've learned in the Bible. That someone tries to bring a, maybe a different kind of revelation or a different kind of thing. It's like this pride rises up on you. Like how dare you question my knowledge and what I know to be true. It's like if we're going to be teachable and humble that pride wouldn't be there to rise up and challenge people to try and teach you something. Because, you know, really what it is is, like, you don't want to look like you're lesser being taught. You want to look like you know everything already. You want to look like, no, I know the full gospel. Da, 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 da. This is a good one for leaders because you can learn to a place and then kind of get promoted, and then sometimes pride takes over and you think you know everything. And someone might come in and challenge, or someone might come in and actually bring a little bit of healthy correction, and you're like, oh, well, I've come to this point. And I'm going to fight tooth and nail with you and then until I wear you out and forget the point that you were trying to make in my life anyway. Does that make sense? Okay. Another characteristic of pride, you can't be corrected. That's another, you fight tooth and nail, you will not be corrected because it makes you look lesser. Okay, you're unteachable, easily offended, stubborn, 
Okay, we can be stubborn in a good way. Amen? Fighting for the kingdom, stubborn for the gospel. Hallelujah. But sometimes we can take that stubbornness into our relationships, and uh, that's not a blessing. Amen? Okay, stubborn people who stick their feet in the ground. They won't budge. They fight to the death to prove a point. They can never be wrong. Okay, they'll blow up at the slightest disagreement. Okay, they have to, people who are stubborn have to stand their ground. They're like on the ultimate defensive, so defensive. It's like, whoa, why do you got to be so defensive about that thing? It's like, actually, that's pride popping up in you having to be right. Okay, this is another thing that people, if you have a characteristic of a pride and you're stubborn, it's like you can't say sorry first. Any married people in the house? Hallelujah. (laughs) Or had any siblings? When you get married, it's good to learn to be able to say sorry if you're wrong. Amen? Okay, Pastor Andrew, whenever we get in a fight, let me just welcome you in. He's always the first one to say sorry. He really is. And I'm like, Jesus! Every time I think I've, like, dealt with pride, and then, like, we'll have a little, like, a little argument or a little disagreement, and it might go somewhere, and I know I need to say sorry, and he just is so kind. He always says sorry first, but that's an area in me, and that's a pride issue in me that I need to be able to humble myself no matter what, and if it means me taking responsibility first and saying sorry first, then I need to do it, because the only reason really why I don't is because my pride is there saying, I want to be right. Learn to say sorry first. <laughs> Amen. Okay, two people who ha- are struggling with a stronghold of pride, okay, they never admit to any wrong. Instead, they play the blame game because admitting wrong means that they weren't perfect and they didn't have it all together in that area. Okay? These are other characteristics of pride. Domineering. Okay, you only do things that are to your advantage. Okay, you're overly opinionated. Okay, you're too assertive where it becomes harsh. You're overbearing where it becomes harsh. You're hasty. Okay, you're hasty because you are the the center of your universe and therefore you don't wait to consult God to make a decision or to consult a loved one if you're married. You just go ahead and do it. You're hasty because you just only got to rely on yourself. Okay, you're hasty. Uh, This is another thing that some people, if they have a stronghold of pride, they're touchy. Okay, you say one little thing, and they, like, blow up. And it's like, whoa, like, what happened there? It's like, it's almost like you're, like, this big head of hot air. And the, you're like, it's, anyone around you has to be, like, on eggshells because it's like, oh, my gosh, if you say one thing, that their pride will get pricked, and it'll be World War III, people. Okay, you're argumentative. Okay, you, you have, you're competitive in a, in a negative way. You'll only be satisfied when you win arguments or win the competition. Okay, you're bitter. Okay, you find it hard to forgive. Okay, you walk all over people. No one ever wants to admit to walking all over people, but it's true. Okay, some of you, I believe too, it's that you pray prayers of God. God, encourage me. God, help me. Like, come on, like, give me another prophetic thing. And he's like, your pride is really puffing you up enough. I can't get in there. How come this person has 20 hundred million prophetic words and encouragements and I don't? It's like maybe you have a stronghold of pride that is, is taking care of your own encouraging of your center of your universe. It sounds crazy, but some of the, some of the confusion of our lives could come back to stuff in our hearts that just needs a little check. Amen? 
Okay, some people too that struggle with pride, they have difficulty being discipled or accountable to anyone because that will require vulnerability and you don't want to be vulnerable because that's a sign of weakness. And when you struggle with pride, you have to always look strong and like you have it together. You hearing me? Okay, you don't want it, you will not allow yourself in any way, shape, or form to appear weak. And vulnerability is really exposing your weaknesses. And so sometimes, too, when there's a struggle with d- discipleship, it's really can be, it can be, it sometimes boiled down to just pride. Hey, there's something standing in your way. It's pride. Let's just remove that so that you can be who God called you to be. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. Is everyone all right? Okay, the reason why I'm saying these characteristics, because we can, le- we can read scriptures like, God resists the proud. What does that even look like? So I'm, I'm kind of bringing some stuff out that this is what pride can look like in our lives, okay? The next thing is critical, okay? You are, if you are struggle with pride, it kind of can lean towards a critical spirit where you criticize everything because from your place of all-knowing, you know everything and you criticize every tiny little thing. It doesn't matter who it is, someone below you, someone beside you, people leading you, people on the TV, uh, preachers on podcasts. You're constantly criticizing because you think you know better. And, you know, in the name of discernment, you have a critical spirit. You know, and really discernment is to set people free, not to, to cause other people to rise up in pride and think they saw something and they know something over someone else. Do you hear what I'm saying? So a lot of people who have a critical thing on them, it's really comes down to some places of pride in their life where they have to be right and all-knowing. Okay, on social media, there's a lot of critical spirits going around because everyone's all of a sudden free to have a platform to have all these criticizing opinions about everything, and they just criticize, criticize, criticize all over the place. It's like there's no fruit of love or, or uh, really peacemaking or trying to bring out the best in people. It's more a platform for you to feel important and all-knowledgeable and all-knowing. Why do you have to criticize? Why do you have to know everything? Like, why do you have to have one up on everyone so, so it can make you seem like you're more, like, along and spiritual? Have a little think about that. Okay, Matthew 7, verse 3 to 5, it says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me get the speck out of your eye when, when there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. People who are critical, they got planks often. They've got planks in their eye, and they're calling their discernment. They're trying to be the sharpest of sharp, and actually their vision is blurred by that that plank hanging out in there. And so while you think you might see, actually, this big old thing coming out of your eye might need to be removed, and actually your discernment might actually become more accurate. Okay, but the Bible is very clear that if you want to be uh, critical of what's in someone else's life, make sure you look at your own life first. And I really have found that in life, the people that are the most critical have the most drama and stuff going on in their lives. And like, you have no place to be criticizing. You need to look at that plank, girlfriend. Help yourself out. And then if you see something, okay, let's talk about it. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, here's another one. You're driven and ruled by what appearance you have before humankind. Man-pleasing. You're trying to impress man. And really, you're starving and needy for attention. So you'll do anything to soak up that attention from humankind. You'll post something here. You'll, you'll compromise something here. You, you'll like do, do, really, you'll do whatever you think the most important person in the room would think you should do. 
So it's like you're not even your true self. You're just constantly trying to please. You're constantly, you know, you'll do the, just, just the right Facebook post so that that person will like it. Or you'll wear just the right thing so that you can please humankind, not the Lord. And your, your motive of life, you wake up every day to please people. That's exhausting. Okay, but when your life, like I said, revolves around you and your pride, it starts becoming this like weird facade that you live in that's not a reality. And you just live really for the opinion of man to give you a little clap and say, it's good, you're great. But really, there's a desperate, starving person on the inside that needs love and healing and affirmation from the Father. But they're looking for it in everyone and everything to, to fill that void because they're never filled. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, and this, this leads me to the next thing I want to say. Often pride is rooted, it's rooted in a few things, but I'm just going to go after three things today. Okay, pride can be rooted in, again, that needy insecurity. Okay, you're needy for love. You're insecure about your own life. So, so you, you are constantly looking to get, um, to get a, like relief from people or recognition from people, and there's no rest in your life. It's like when Jesus said to the woman at the, at the well, he said, if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. But if you just drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. And he wasn't just talking about water. He was talking about the thirst deep down inside of us that we need to be fulfilled to be okay walking this life. Okay, and Jesus said, if you, if you drink from this well, you're going to thirst again. But if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. But the problem with humanity, and I believe a lot of Christians, is that they're looking to humankind to fulfill the thirst. And it's temporarily relieved, but then they thirst again. And they're going through their Facebook, thirsty. They're going through uh, their, their relationships, thirsty. They're pulling on everyone that they're trying to pull on because they're thirsty inside, because they're insecure, and they don't know who they are. And they're constantly being momentarily satisfied, but then they go back to that empty feeling again. Jesus is the only one who can fulfill that thirst inside of you. But really that insecurity is driving you and it's making you tired and exhausted. And he didn't die so that you could be thirsty again and again and again and again. Amen? Okay? Sometimes, too, uh, pride can be rooted in a deep place of, again, that insecurity and sometimes we can think because we're in insecurity, like insecurity is the opposite of pride, but it's not. Because insecurity is someone who's thinking constantly about themselves. What do people think of me? What am I going to do? Where am I going to? Oh, and it's like this, it's, your life is still revolving around you, even if it's in a negative twist. You're still thinking about yourself all the time. Okay? This is another way that, you know, uh, kind of like that insecurity can play out in life because sometimes we think that pride is this huge, obvious thing, but sometimes it comes out in these, in these weird patterns in humankind. And this is another one, okay? You feel insecure, and, and you know, you might lash out in wanting to be right all the time and be argumentative and all those things. But if that fails, and maybe you fail in a place in your life and it's, uh, your failure is obvious, you know, and there's no way that you can kind of get, say you like went out, you never drink, but then you went binge drinking, and then it was all over Facebook, and like, everyone saw what you were doing, okay? So instead of trying to, like, be right and fight their way out of it, because they know that they can't fight that, it's like it's so obvious they failed, they take the other route, and they take this kind of false humility, victim mentality, oh, I fell into this thing, and they, they start drawing on people's self-pity, and they start filling that void inside of them to get, to get attention again. 
So whether it's through I'm right, I'm great all the time, if they can't win in that way, they they take a different route and take the self-pity way of poor me. Oh, I just, and then you pull on people's emotions, and then that thing inside of you, that desperation to get attention, it's still being fed just in a different way. Oh, poor you. Oh, how you fell into that. And it's like, oh, great, I'm the center of attention again, because now I'm taking the pity party, woe is me thing. But there's still a feeding of pride and affirmation you're looking for from man, and you're like, oh, thank God someone's paying attention to me again. Pride. That's pride. Okay? We're needy. We're looking for someone to fulfill us because, you know, when we fail in different areas, it's like, well, I'll just try this route to get more attention. And oftentimes it works because everyone wants to save the victim. Are you with me? I know this is hard stuff, but we just got to go there. I'm a mama in the house, and I got to be a mama sometimes. I got to come in and say, what about this? What's this? What? Let's look at this. Okay, I can't just leave you in the Holy Ghost fire all the time and not give you any equipment to live this life out. Amen? Okay, this is another thing that a spirit of pride can be rooted in or a stronghold of pride, an orphan spirit. Okay, orphan, an orphan is someone who has no parents and they're left alone on the earth. Okay, and sometimes we can walk through this life feeling like an orphan. Like we don't have the security of anyone looking out for us like parents would that we don't have any covering, and you know what? It's really up to us to look out for our own lives, for ourselves. We're in like a survival mentality, and you know what? We, we don't just let life happen. We make it happen, okay? We, we, we live in the realm of our own strength and our own ability. That's pride, okay? When you're relying solely on you to survive in life, you're the center of your universe again, Oh, I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to make it. And I have to call the shots in life because no one's going to be there for me because really inside I feel like I'm all alone and an orphan. And if I don't rise up in pride, no one will. So I'm not going to be a doormat and I'm just going to go ahead and take care of my business and be strong for myself. But the trouble is, is that when you fail at something, your whole life crumbles down to nothing because that's the only thing you are relying on. So you have one little failure, you have a little slip up, and then all of a sudden that all that security, all that covering you thought you were providing for yourself, it crumples to nothing and your world falls apart. You're just trying to survive life. You're trying to do your thing. You're trying to be in control. You're really acting like an orphan who has no covering. Jesus died before you were even born, so you were covered before you even got out of your mother's womb. Okay, but sometimes in life, the reason why we're rising up in so much pride is because we feel so alone and that there's no one there for us like we're an orphan. Okay, this is the other thing that pride can be rooted in, in fear and in wounds. Somebody hurt you, so you decided, just like the orphan, somebody hurt you in life, so then you decided to take care of yourself. You're going to make sure that no one ever does that again. And I'm going to rise up and be the center of my universe and just take care of myself for me because I'm going to be darned if I'm going to have that thing happen to me again. So therefore, instead of receiving the love of God and the healing power of Jesus for our wounds, we instead rise up and overcompensate and start going into this full mode of uh, it's me and mine because I'm never going to let that happen to me again. 
and you become overly proud and overly protective of you and your life because you are scared of ever being hurt like that again. Okay, it's almost like a knee-jerk reaction. When there's a wound in your life and, and, and you, you are scared, it's not healed yet, and you're scared that people will come and hurt you again, it's like this knee-jerk reaction. And sometimes in life, people come to you with things or certain circumstances will play out, and all of a sudden you knee-jerk react, and there's this pride that comes out. And you're almost like, where did that even come from? A wound. Because you made an inner vow inside of yourself that when that thing happened, instead of receiving healing, forgiveness, love of Jesus, you instead made an inner vow and said, I'm going to make sure, like an orphan, that I'm going to protect myself. Oh, you see that thing a mile away. That's not coming. Here's my pride. I'm going to stop you right here. It's like a little protection mechanism for yourself. Okay, but that's pride. Thinking you can save yourself. Thinking you're going to make it just relying on yourself. That's not a life putting the kingdom of God first. Amen? That's a life relying on you that fails. I've lived that in moments of my life, and it is not fun. Relying on yourself, only having yourself as a backup, that's scary. Okay, but even if you don't have a physical person, Jesus is there for you. Amen. His blood is enough for you so that you don't have to defend yourself, but he has vengeance and it's his and he will repay. Amen. But it's not up to you to repay or to be strong for yourself. Amen. Okay. This is, this is something I'll say too. Unguarded moments often reveal where we really are at in our lives on the, on the, on the topic of pride and humility, unguarded moments. So it's like you can come to church and be the best person that you can be. I don't have any pride. Did you see how much I was crying at the altar worshiping? Oh, I don't even care what man thinks. Oh, Jesus. Then you come Monday, and it's like you're hanging out with your friends, and you're like, oh, yeah, did you see this, this, and this? And oh, my God, criticizing. Oh, my gosh, I totally don't agree with this, this, and the da 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 It's like all of a sudden the, the kind of like unguarded moment revealed actually areas of pride in your life, not the moment before everyone seeing you. And the real reason, the real way to check yourself is to go in those unguarded moments and say, oh, Jesus, search me and know me. Please help me not to be like this. Amen. Okay. This is another thing I'll say, too, is that we have to make sure that we aren't operating in any form of false humility. Has anyone ever heard that before? False humility. Okay, because that's actually pride as well. You know, false humility can look like, oh, well, you're just putting yourself down. And like, this is so typical in high school. I don't know if it's still like this, but it's like, someone says you're beautiful and you're like, I'm not beautiful. Like, no, so-and-so is beautiful, like, but really inside, you're like, say I'm beautiful again, and uh, there's like this, oh, I really, oh, I th- oh my gosh, they said I was beautiful, <laughs> like, but outside, there's like this false humility where it's like, no, I am not beautiful, I am, you know, it's like, but that's, that's that needy, weird thing inside that's craving for more attention, but the outside, it's like this false humility thing, but there's a weird agenda on the inside that's craving for more attention. Do you hear what I'm saying? Or you might do something nice for someone, get them a nice dinner, and you look like just the most humble, beautiful person getting that person dinner, and then, like, they don't say thank you, or you don't get, the, like, the desired affirmation you were looking for, and all of a sudden it's like, psh, psh, I'm never buying that person dinner again. Like, excuse me, like, psh, you should be thankful. Like, come on. 
You know, and it's like, whoa, okay, if it was a heart of humility and love for that situation, it wouldn't have gotten a rise out of you. It wouldn't have got a reaction out of you, you know, like, oh, well, I did that thing. Like, they should, like, acknowledge me. But at, on the outside, it's almost like this false humility. Look at this beautiful meal I got you. Oh, I'm so humble and Christian. Touch. If there was a rise in you that demanded some, some kind of affirmation and response, check your heart. Amen. And again, I'm not talking about people who are outright disrespectful to you because that will get a rise in me. Touch. You know what I'm saying? It's like you do something nice and they're totally outright disrespectful. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about you do something for someone, but really the ulterior motive is for you to get some level of affirmation. But with like this humble exterior. Does that make sense? Okay, are you with me? I know this is a lot, but I'm kind of trying to break some stuff down so we can look into our hearts and see what is going on in there. Okay, this is, I want to say this too. This is my next point. Pride opens you up to certain things. It can open you up to several things, but I'm just going to talk about a few right now. Proverbs 11.2 says, people who are in pride get disgrace. That's the fruit of pride. Okay, Proverbs 16.18 is what I already read. When there's pride, the next thing is a fall or destruction. So the fruit of pride is a fall or destruction. How many of you want that? I don't want that. Okay, but sometimes we're not aware of our own pride, and we have falls, and we have certain things happening, and we're blaming the devil and binding every evil thing, but actually could have been a little bit of your pride playing out there. And it's okay to check our hearts in any situation to ask God that. If, was that me, God? Was it not? I just want to make sure. There's nothing wrong in that. Amen? Okay, James 4, 6, like I read, pride breeds resistance from God, and it also opens the door to things operating in your life. Narcissism, gaslighting, some of you don't even know what that is. Go look it up, okay? Pride can, can manifest and grow into ugly things, okay? This is one thing that pride can, and we saw it with the Pharisees, it can go and turn into like a religious spirit, so, you know, there's that religious, prideful critiquing. And, you know, you're, you got a plank and you're looking at people's specs. You're critiquing ministries. You're critiquing people's, what they're wearing. It's like there's this pride that's turned into this, like, religious pride that is now all of a sudden all-knowing because I have God backing me. Okay? But it's actually spiritual blindness. Okay? The Pharisees couldn't see Jesus, and when they studied, that was their job, to wait and see the Messiah. They were supposed to know back, front, up, down, what it would look like when the Messiah came, but they couldn't see it. And I believe it was because religious pride was playing out in their lives. Okay? Religious spirits that are operating in pride end up choking, containing, controlling, and stopping moves of God. Okay, we've had, we, uh, we are very upfront with what we do here, right? Holy Ghost, fire, bring your objects to be prayed over. Jesus is king, you know, all these amazing outward things. And it's been so interesting to see the kickback of religious criticism that we've received from all different parts of the world just by being a shining light. And there's, you know, I feel like every time I talk about Holy Ghost fire, there's like this backlash of the religious correcting coming back. And it's like, whoa, okay. We must be doing something right because that religious prideful spirit is getting mad and trying to come back and control and choke and contain what God is doing here. And really it's rooted in pride because the vessel thinks they know better and they need to correct. Do you hear what I'm saying? This is another thing that pride can open you up to, gossip. 
Okay, if if you have pride, it's very easy to gossip because you always have to be right and you always have to be the one who has like the latest information. Okay, so like you're hanging around a group of friends and, you know, this is a typical Christian, in the name of prayer, oh, do you know how that person's doing? Did you see what that person posted? Did you see what that person was wearing? Oh, my gosh. It's like gossip, gossip, gossip. Like, you're just, you, you, you have this pride of looking at someone, thinking you know better about their life, and it's giving way to gossip because that's another opportunity to you, to, for you to look more knowing, for you to look more spiritual, for you to look more important. And instead of it being a time where you're just hanging out with your friends, it becomes this time where you start talking and critiquing You know, you critique spiritual leaders. You might critique what we do here. And it's like, oh, in that unguarded place, all of a sudden you're privy to gossip because you're ready to show how you know the better thing and how you're all right all the time. Is someone getting something? Okay, this is another thing that pride can do. It creates a false identity. Okay? Really, if people are really struggling with pride and they're so man-pleasing, they have, to, they have this, like, facade that they have to keep up all the time because they want people to constantly accept them, constantly give them an okay, give them the clap, give them the like on Facebook. But actually, they're leading exhausting lives because they have to keep up this image before mankind so that they will always look like they have it all together. So many ministers fall into this trap because they get to a point of influence, and then if they have the struggle or they might have got something wrong, it's like, oh, no, I have to keep up the facade, I have to keep up the mask or else people will think I'm not a good minister. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, well, they might not come or watch my meetings or whatever. That's pride. Because you're trying to preserve your image above Jesus' image. Because really that's why we do what we do as ministers. Amen? We're here to let the face of Jesus be seen and not our own. Okay? But even in your own life, it's like sometimes we live these lives that are really just fake lives. We're trying to please people constantly. We're not really true to ourselves. And that will make you tired. It might feel good in the moment because you're getting affirmation and that feels all great, but eventually you'll feel tired because you're trying to be like a master musician. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Look over here and really something else is going on on the inside of your heart over here. That's exhausting. And that's not how you were designed to live. You know, it's like, Again, everything about living, you know, a a selfish, self-centered life, it's so contrary to kingdom. It's so contrary to put Jesus first and and everything else will be added to it. But we're in such a culture where it's all about us. It's all about what we can uh, portray to the world and how good we are. And it's like, come on, that's not the kingdom. Amen. Are you alive? I know this is a lot, okay? But we need this. Okay, and we, can, we probably do have really amazing achievements that we have, but we can't glorify those above what Jesus did for us. You know, we can't, our conversation can't always be how great we are and, oh, oh this is all the things I did and me, 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 this is my next thing. It's, oh, yeah, God's doing some cool things over here. Okay, because really, honestly, if we look at the word, too, and even Paul's life, if anyone could boast about anything, it was Paul. He could have just said, man, and he did in, some, in, in Philippians, but it's like, you know what? He said, I count everything I've ever achieved like trash compared to knowing God. He's like, I could boast so hardcore in my life and everything I've done and and, and how many churches I have and whatever he could have boasted about. But he said, you know what? Actually, 
Here's Philippians 3.8. Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the, exceeding, uh, for the excellence of knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Every time I feel that pride popping up, you're like, I'm just going to think about Paul who counted all this stuff like trash compared to knowing him. Amen? Okay, you guys ready? Why don't you just stand up and sit down, and then we're gonna, I'm going to go to the next part, and we'll be done. Are you good? It's a lot, but you need this, okay? All right, we're going to go to humility, then we're going to be done. I know this is a lot. You are just receiving a whole load, but you need this. Amen? Okay, so that's what pride looks like, and I could go on and on and on and on, but I think I hit enough points. Amen? Let's have a look at humility. This is what I call humility, the secret power of the universe. Woo! The secret power of the universe. Okay, humility is not weak or wimpy. Okay, you know what? It takes some grit to be humble. Can I get a witness? It takes some grit to humble yourself, to not say things when you know you could say it, to not show off things when you so know you could. It takes some strength on the inside to really walk in true humility, okay? And really, it's a knowing that all that you have and everything that you're going to do and be, it's because of him. Amen? Okay, we need to treat humility like it's a secret power of the universe. Proverbs eleven twelve says, with humility comes wisdom. Jesus, give me wisdom. I pray for wisdom. Oh, it's better than riches, da-da-da. He's like, okay, have some humility. Woo! You want some wisdom? Let's have humility. Gone quiet in this Baptist church. Okay, this is what I think humility is like. It's like a gate. Every single calling must go through it. It's the gate to your success. It's the gate to you uh, really achieving everything that God has called you to do. Humility. Okay, Philippians 2, I'm going to read this. Okay, this is the ultimate example of humility. We know it. You ready? It's Philippians 2, verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not to your own interests, but also the interests of others. Your attitude, here it is, your attitude should be the same of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Come on, this generation is demanding us to be self-centered. Look at my profile picture. Look at all my achievements. And Jesus is crying out, be be humble. Because the example that Jesus left is his life. He humbled himself to the point of death. That's our example. And he did all of that as a human being. Sometimes we give him the extra point because he's the son of God. Oh, well, you know, that was Jesus. He could, like, do anything. No, in order for him to be an acceptable sacrifice for your life, he had to be 100% human. So in his 100% humanity, he humbled himself to the point of death. Okay, and really that's the goal for all of our lives is that we live our lives like they're not our own. We lose them unto him, and and nothing is too low for us to humble to. Okay, he washed his disciples' feet, even Judas' feet, who he knew would betray him. It was not beneath him to get down, and he said himself, I did not come to uh, be served but to serve. 
And we can roll into our Christianity having all the opinions, know all the greatest preacher's quotes, and have all the criticizing knowledge that we could give, but we don't know how to humble ourselves. We don't even know the foundational truth. And it's like not even Jesus came to be served. The one person who could be served. And we walk around our Christianity like the world owes us something. We're so entitled. Oh, well, this person didn't pray for me, so selfish. We need to come in. You know what? I'm going to be like Jesus. I didn't come to be served. Humanity does not owe me something. But I came to offer humanity something. I came to lay down my life too. Because I want to take up all Jesus' goodness, all of his promises, but then humility and pride comes up and you're like, oh, what did I sign up for? The greatest thing in the universe, right? The greatest thing in all the universe, the gospel, the good news. That's what you signed up for. You will never feel more fulfilled than when you're walking in humility with your God and loving humanity. We got to get this stuff. The world is full of selfishness, and we are so countercultural being in the kingdom of God. And let me tell you something that's not going to let up. Humanity will grow more and more to be lovers of themselves. And they're going to start not wanting to hear things that don't reflect loving themselves. So that, sh- that should make us even more wake up to the, to the need of us being humble and not being seen, but allowing him to be seen. Amen? Okay, here are some practical tips on walking in humility because, again, it's another thing like, oh, be humble. What does that even mean? Because every, in every one of your minds, it might mean something different. Okay, but here are some practical tips that I like to give on humility. Okay, I wish I could sum it up in one point, but I can't because humility is such a huge thing. Okay, but it's 100% dependence on him, giving him control of your life, every decision. Amen? (laughs) Don't think too highly of yourself. Okay, if you're going to walk in humility, you don't need to be thinking too highly of yourself. Romans 12.3 is very clear about this. For by grace, for by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with faith that God has distributed to each of you. Okay, you want to walk in humility? Get your mind off of yourself. That's going to take some learning, but you can do it. Amen. I also want to bring the other side of it is like don't think too high of yourself, but also don't think too low of yourself. Okay, in our journey of being um, humble, we sometimes crucify our very being. <laughs> I'm just, I'm nothing. I'm God. I humble my life. I'm a sacrifice. And he's like, yes, you are, but I love you so much. I did give you gifts and an identity. And don't crucify your identity. Amen. Okay, because we can swing all the way the other way and that religion really likes you to be like a fly on the ground that gets smashed and you're like, God, I'm nothing. And it like seems so holy to like beat yourself up. Okay, don't go that way, all right? On your journey in humility, don't go that way. God loves you. He gave you gifts. He wants to use them. You have an identity in him. Amen. Okay, this is another one too. If you want to walk in humility, don't lean on your understanding, but trust him. Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6. We know that. That's such a popular Christian, uh, Christian scripture. Uh, lean not on your own understanding. Truly, don't do it though. Okay, if you want to walk in humility, don't lean on what you know, but trust him. Proverbs 28, 25 says, he who trusts in himself is a fool. I'll leave that right there. <laughs> 
Uh, let's go to 1 Peter 5, 5. I read this already, but we're going to read it again. In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. That's a big deal. Clothe yourselves. Okay, because God opposes the proud but shows grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Whose job is it to humble who? My job. That's what that was saying. Clothe yourself in humility. Who puts your clothes on every day? Does someone else put your clothes on you? Oh, touch. I really believe that we all dressed ourselves and in the same way, okay, some of you, if you need help, that's great. All right, hallelujah. But you, in the same way you put your own clothes on, put your own humility on. Clothe yourselves with humility. It says humble yourselves. Humble yourself. What does that look like? You know what? Brother David Hogan says it like this way. Every day he wakes up, he says, God, I humble myself before you. I submit to you. He goes and he repents for anything known or unknown. And he just cleans the slate and humbles himself right under God. That's the first thing he prays about. Not every need, but he prays about how he wants to be humble before God. And I took that on, and I'm like, this is good. That's a good way to humble yourself because you give God room to show you things that you might not have seen if you woke up that day and say, God, I got this. I'm in control. And he's like, you're going to fall because you're blinded right now. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, so it's a good job. For you to humble yourself first, pray to the Lord, Jesus, I willingly humble myself. Okay, because when we lift ourselves up, he is very capable of bringing us down. Amen. Okay, we know that the sin of Lucifer, okay, that was probably the first ever sin in all the universe that we know of, okay, in heaven. What was his sin? It was pride. And we are foolish if we think that he's still not using the very thing that he fell in to make humanity fall. Pride. He, he, it works every time. Okay, but if we're so aware of it and resisting it, we already got one up on the devil's failure. Amen. Okay, this is another way that you can uh, just kind of live that humble life before God, Galatians 5.16. So I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What does walk in the Spirit mean? Read your Bible. Go to church. Pray before the Lord. Humble yourself. Be transparent before him. Have accountability, people, that you're submitted to. Okay, those are good tips on walking in the Spirit. Amen? Matthew 16, 24-25, deny yourself and follow him. You want to lead a humble life? Deny your will or your control and follow him. It's not enough just to deny yourself and sit in a ditch somewhere. You got to get yourself up and follow him where he's going. Amen? Okay, this is another way you can live a humble life. Zechariah 4, 6, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by his spirit. We love that scripture. But when it comes to uh, us and our, and our ability, if we have an ability to do something, that not by might thing is kind of hard because you're like, oh, I have the might to do it. Can't I just do this, God? Can't I go overseas? Can't I start this business? Can't I go and marry this person? Can't I do it? And he's like, it's not by your might to do it. I know you can do it. Sometimes we think because we can do it, that gives us an extra point, and that means God will let us do it. Oh, well, you gave me this gift, Lord, so that must mean. No, he's, it's not by your might, son. 
It's not by your power or your ability, daughter. It's by my spirit. So if you humble yourself, you'll figure out that life with my spirit is a lot easier. Amen? This is another thing I really love to look at, okay? It's Moses. Numbers 12.3 says, Now Moses was a very humble man, more humble than anyone else on the earth. Giving himself some props, eh? Moses writing this, and I am the most humble person. <laughs> but God let it be in the word, and I believe that truly it was, he was so humble, he was so confident in God that he could, it was true. But I'm thinking to myself, if he was the most meekest, humblest person, I could learn something from him. What did he do all the time? He worshiped. Okay, he spent his days on his face before God, and when he wasn't on his face, he was following God wherever he was going. Oh, you want to live a humble life? Just worship the Lord. Worship him. Put him first. That's a good way to humble yourself because you're, you're lifting him up above your own needs and concerns. Okay, and also, too, when Moses was confronted by his brother and sister, he didn't defend himself. That's another way you can live a humble life. You don't need to defend yourself. God will defend you. Oh, but you don't even know I was falsely accused. You don't even know, like, they're actually saying so many lies about me. Trust me, I've been on the receiving end of lies. And defending yourself does not work. The best way is to allow vengeance to be him and his, and he repays for you. Don't think that God doesn't see what's happening to you. But even Jesus had to keep his mouth shut when he was being falsely accused so that he could fulfill the cross. Okay, and sometimes we think we have to give our opinion all the time. It's like, don't defend yourself. Just be humble. If you don't know what to do, don't open your mouth. Just, just be humble. Just wait. Sometimes in fear, we don't know what to do, and we start just spouting our mouth off and making fleshly decisions. Okay, don't defend yourself. We need to listen more than we speak. If you're going to live a humble life, God gave you two ears and one mouth. How about that? Twice as much listening as speaking. I'm making you guys listen extra long today, but you need it. Amen? Humble yourself. Just kidding. <laughs> Actually, not kidding. This is the other thing I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, touch. Okay, Philippians 2. This is another way to live a humble life. Look out for other people. It's what I read already. Philippians 2, 3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each of us esteem others. Okay, prefer others than yourself. Let each of you look out for not only your own interests, but the interests of others. You want to live a humble life? Just fill your life with helping other people. Okay, but that doesn't come in the place of your intimate time with the Lord. Okay, don't take away from that. But you can spend more of your time blessing and helping other people. I think a lot more people would be helped in the body if we did more of that. Hello? <laughs> Okay, and again, you know what? If we're, if we're truly uh, wanting to be like Jesus, we're going to be, hey, I came to serve. I got born again to help humanity to serve them, not to be entitled and, ha and look for the serving of my own life. That's his job. Amen? Okay, and it's really so freeing when you don't have to rely on your own limited ability. It's so freeing when you let go of your pride and your ability and you lean into his ability, the wealth of his knowledge, his experience, your confidence goes way up because you're like, oh, I'm not leaning on my need or my ability. It's I'm leaning on his amazing, all-powerful strength and limitless ability to do whatever is possible. 
It's freeing. You set yourself free and limiting yourself to your own ability. That's a very contained life. You got to set yourself free. Let go of your pride and lean on him. You'll feel a breath of fresh air because you're like, okay, thank God. I don't have to figure my whole life out. Someone's there for me. Amen. Okay, and I just want to tell you something. You can do this. You can live a humble life. It is possible. Okay, and you might be like Peter that you kind of like messed up. Peter had some pride. And he denied Jesus, and then he wept bitterly. It doesn't say he went into a cave and had a pity party and gave up, gave up on following Jesus. He got rebuked and humbled, but then there he was in the upper room still believing God for the Spirit to come. He wasn't set back, and, you know, Jesus restored him on the beach, and that was all great. But he didn't give up, even though he failed in certain areas of pride in his life. The the end of the story is, for that section of Scripture, is that he stood up on the day of Pentecost, and thousands were saved. So if Peter, having a, a pride problem and gets humbled, Jesus restores him, and so much fruit came out of his life. So if Peter can do it, you can do it. Amen? Okay, and sometimes we walk through seasons of humbling. It's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm being humbled on every corner. Good. He's producing an eternal fruit inside of you. I've had, seriously, I feel like humility lessons come in seasons. I remember having so, like, years of seasons of being humbling, and God just had to break stuff off of me that I kind of grew into. I was born in a Christian family, but I, like, grew into a lot of pride in my, in my youth group days and worshiping and singing in a youth group, and I, and I just... All this pride got at me, and, and, and I changed churches, and then in this new church, God decided because I had no influence, he'd smash me down. It was really great. But for years, for years, it was like, oh, my gosh, he was smashing some other pride thing off of me, and I almost felt picked on. But actually, it was the making of me because I couldn't progress in my walk with all that pride sitting on me, thinking I was the best youth group leader, and I was the best this, that, and whatever. And he, like, stripped me from being in that certain church. I came to a new one, and he's like, perfect. I'm going to get her. <laughs> she, asked to, she asked me to mature. I was like, mature me, God. I'm going to go to the nations, blah, blah, blah. All those great, amazing, big Christian things we pray. And then he's like, perfect, smash. Oh, man, I got so much deliverance. <sighs> that, was, that was humbling. Because I grew up in a Christian family thinking I was perfect and so free, and I had to help everyone else with their demonic oppression. Next minute, I'm on the ground just getting full deliverance, people having to hold me down. I barked like a dog. No, I'm serious. I had that much demonic op- oppression on me. And I didn't know. And it took a little pride being smashed off of me so that he could set me free. But I believe that part of the reason why the oppression was there because I had pride. And I was thinking I knew something and I was keeping God out. And and finally he got me to a point where he's like, great, let's do this. And I ate humble pie for many a years. And I still eat humble pie. It's the best pie you'll ever eat. (laughs) Receive the seasons of humbling. You need it. It's the making of your calling. If Jesus' calling was to go to the cross, before that was humbling himself to the point of death. So humbling equals fulfilling the call of God. But no one can humble themselves for you. You have to have that conversation with God. And sometimes it's our pride and our man-pleasing that hinders us through our, to have breakthroughs. You know, a lot of people say many of our breakthroughs are on the other side of fear. I really believe that many of our breakthroughs are on the other side of humility. 
If we would just humble ourselves, he can get through to us. If we just go low, he can reach us. But while we have the wall of pride up, you're getting resisted. We go low. We purpose in our hearts. You know the prodigal son would have never got freedom unless he humbled himself and went back to his father's house. How humiliating would that have been? But his breakthrough and acceptance from his father was on the other side of his humbling. Woman with the issue of blood. Do you think she would have felt great going through the crowds knowing she was unclean? She had to humble herself and push. And she got healed after 12 years. What was on the other side of that? Her humility. And some people won't even show up to a church service because their pride is like, well, I don't need to go. I can just, I can just manage my own life. I'll get a little podcast here, a little thing there. I don't need to be in a community. Pride. Altar, altar call for salvation. Or there's an altar call to, you know, give more of your life to God or let go of the idols. You don't go up because you're like, Pride. What do you think is stopping you from publicly getting freedom? Pride. You're worried about what people think of you. Or you think you have it all together that every altar call doesn't apply to you. I like to act in the opposite spirit. I'm like, I don't even know, but I'm going to that altar. Woo! (coughs) Sorry. I'm blessed and my body is healed. I'm blessed. Amen. I'm trying to pull at some things because I know it hinders you. Pride hinders you. It robs you from true freedom. And it's not okay to be sitting in a place of bondage when the Jesus set you free. Amen? Okay, and so you know what? We just need to go ahead and embrace humility and not, not be afraid to humble ourselves no matter what the circumstance. If you can figure this out now, you're going to grow really quick. You're going to grow, oh, Jesus, accelerate my growth. Okay, go lower. Okay, humble yourself even lower. Prefer someone else. Be the person that always comes to the altar. Okay, we need to understand that we can do nothing without him. And that's the place of humility. Everything I have is because of him. I can't achieve anything without him. Well, how do all the people in the world achieve things? They're storing themselves up treasure right here, and then they die and get nothing. But your humility will store yourself up something in heaven that you will live out in all eternity. That's pretty awesome. Humility is the safest place that you can be in on the face of the earth. Amen? So today, uh, I know I've gone over, but I do want to just have us stand up right now. Okay, we don't want to be ignorant of pride, and I really believe that the Lord just brought this. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't planning on speaking on this. I had thought about it occasionally, but I was like, no, no. And then the Lord was like, yes. So here we are. But it's good. It's good for us to have these kinds of meaty sermons where we remember our place in the kingdom. It's in humility. Not being the center, but Jesus being the center. So right now, all of you, I just want you to search your hearts. You might want to close your eyes or whatever you can do to help you focus. I want you to search your heart before God. And if any of these things resounded in you, just take responsibility. You don't need to blame someone for you, the reason why you act like that. Okay, right now, I want you to just take responsibility before God in your own way. Just say, I take responsibility, Lord, for every area of pride in my life that I've had. I'm sorry, 
Jesus, whether knowing or unknowing and being in pride and not humbling myself, God, I just, I just repent before you and I humble myself right now. By a decision of my will, I humble myself. By a decision of my will, I humble myself and I ask that you would lift me up. That you would be the encourager of my heart. That I wouldn't have to work to encourage my own heart. But you would encourage my heart. And right now we just put away every little ounce of pride. Whether knowing or unknowing. Every little ounce of fear and control. uh, That critical, religious, whatever it might be. Right now in Jesus name we just humble ourselves. We go low before you in our hearts God. And we ask that you would just be the center of our universe. That we wouldn't be the center that our opinions wouldn't be the center, that our critiquing wouldn't be the center, but you would be the center. And we pray that you would be a strength for us in this area of humility, that you would help us to humble ourselves. And when we mess up, to remember how easy it is to shift back into humbling, that it's not hard, it's just a decision. And I pray that you would make our hearts soft, God. Make our hearts soft to be able to be humble, to live a humble Christian life, a true, authentic life, a life laid down before your feet. So right now, God, I ask that you would just wash us, that your forgiveness would wash over us, that your cleansing would wash over us, and that truly your grace would be sufficient to help us in the area of humility and pride, God, that you would just have that grace right there to help us to do what we desire to do, and that's to please you and to help people. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you too just for the healing of every heart, God. If there's an orphan feeling inside of our hearts or wounds or fears that have caused us to rise up in pride, I pray for healing right now in Jesus' name. And I ask that you would begin a healing journey of deliverance, of freedom and healing, God. That we would no longer be ashamed to show up to church or to go to the altar but we would just be ready and willing no matter what. God, I just pray for a washing right now. Wash over us just with your presence and your love and your acceptance and that you would just seal every word in our hearts, that it would bear fruit and help us to just do this thing for you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.